Well, here we are. Uh, welcome to our Mountain View service. Everybody give a shout out to everybody that's watching on Facebook Live. Give them some. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. All right, let's jump into the Word this morning because if you can help us break down this morning, um, we have an appointment at Wolftown Beach at 1115 uh, for baptismal service following this morning. So um, I want you to follow along with me, and I would like for you to just focus on this this morning. Um, I want to. Rem- I want you to, us to just think about and remember the fellowship of faith. Now, Genesis chapter two. I want to ask you. We want to start there. I want you to go to Genesis chapter two. We're going to be in Genesis chapter two, Philippians chapter one, and I'm going to read some verses to you, and then we're going to wind up in Revelation chapter three, uh, verse fourteen. So let's start out in Genesis chapter two. And this morning, uh, I just want to be. I, I, I want to. I want to be honest, and I want us to look at the scripture, and especially in Genesis chapter two. I don't know where you are in your faith and in your belief or lack of faith or your understanding or your belief in the Bible. I don't know where you stand as far as creation and the whole model of God getting things started and us winding up where we are. I believe it. That doesn't mean that I understand it all. That doesn't mean that everything dovetails together seamlessly for me. And I open up the Bible and I read it in the morning and I hear these angelic hosts in the background going, Oh, Tim. I don't get that. You know, there's times where I get done reading the Bible and I'm more annoyed and I'm more frustrated. Do you want me to do that again? Did you enjoy that? Okay, no? Okay. That was my wife. Did you hear my wife? No. Stop doing that. Genesis chapter 2. As we're reading, I, wanna, I want you to consider this with me. And Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 is we're talking about the fellowship of faith because I think it's important that we look at something and grab some things here from the record in the very beginning. Verse 18. And the Lord God said... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then you go on to read in verse 19 all the way down through. Out of the dust of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field. And he has Adam name everything. And then we go into God making something beautiful and power, powerful, this supernatural connection um, that God created for him. But I want you to focus on verse 18 as we get started this morning. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Now, notice that in the beginning, it's not Adam. And this is one of the things that uh, really has jumped out to me recently. And I love this record. Um, And it has just kind of blown my mind as I've reconsidered some truths here. Adam, this is not Adam. He's not expressing that he's lonely. This is not Adam talking about felt needs. This is not Adam saying to God, you got all these animals and I'm all by myself. You get what I'm saying? This is a proclamation of God himself as creator God. He's made this incredible being and he's breathed into this incredible being the gift of life. He's put, placed his spirit inside of this man, and then he looks and he says, it's not good that he's alone. It was God who spoke and said it's not good for him to be by himself or alone. This is a proclamation, and please, this is what I want you to grab. This is actually a proclamation of how we are created. Please hear me. We are, as human beings, created for relationships. God, in the very beginning, it was God that saw what he had done, and he said, 
It's not good to be alone. We are created for relationship. And understand that Adam was created for relationship with God, but in somehow in his providential understanding, and I can't get my hands around the depth of that, but he understood that something more needed to take place for Adam than just relationship with him. Now, for some of you, what I just said, you're like, Tim, that's like, that sounds really bad. No, it's God who said it. So let's go to Philippians chapter 1, if you would, with me. Follow along. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be in chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm just using that as a springboard, as a basis for where we're going to go this morning and some of the things that we're going to talk about. And especially if you're here and you're one of those independent, like, pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need anybody else in my life. I'm good. I'm good alone. I got it. I got myself taken care of. You're a little distracted and sideswiped by your own perspective. So let's read in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> I'm reading from the New King James this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Look at verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. I love the passion. I love the connection. I love what Paul's saying. But notice this relational proclamation that is a result of the good news of Jesus and the work of redemption in our lives. We are made alive in Christ, and our spirits are made new. This is what Paul is talking about. And he says, we are complete like never before, and we are now adopted into a new family. He's talking about this relationship that happens between people when they become born again, when they are alive in faith, because they're embracing grace and what Jesus has done. You may have heard this Greek word referenced in the past. You've heard people talk about fellowship, and so they use this word koinonia, which is what is used here in verse 5. This is actually the Greek word that's used in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5. It's a, it's a, a term of intimacy of fellowship. A closeness as a result of a shared gospel change. Some of your translation use the word partnership. I believe especially in the ESV and some others, instead of using fellowship of the gospel, use partnership of the gospel is the word that it's used. And the point is that what Paul is referring to is not a casual passing, no big deal type of relationship. This fellowship is not, please hear me when I say this, brothers and sisters, this fellowship that he's talking about is not a take it or leave it type of thing. It's not a take it or leave it relational commitment. So let me read some verses to you. And you can mark these down if you want to mark these down right next to Philippians chapter 1. That's what I do in my Bible. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. I'm going to read in the NIV. Therefore, encourage one another, encourage one another, and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 
Again, in the NIV, it says not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the coming of the Lord, the Lord's return, the more you see it approaching. So in this time, I'm just going to talk about Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Some of you have grown up and you had Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It was like a flog piece for some of the ministers or people in your life to say, if you're not at church, every time the church doors are open, you're in sin. And they would use this verse. And I understand that, but that's not what I'm talking about. This is what he's saying to the Hebrew people. He's saying that as you are more aware of, and as you grow and as you understand that the Lord is going to return, and you see that things are changing, it should create an even greater dependence on us getting together. So with all that's going on with COVID, and I had so many conversations, I have weekly conversations with brothers and sisters in this church family and brothers and sisters all over this region that are talking about the return of the Lord. They're talking about the second coming. They're talking about the rapture. They're talking about all these end times things. And some of you are digging into the scriptures and looking at it more and more. And what it's saying here is as you become more aware of that, we should be even more committed to being together and encouraging one another. I'm going to read on. Read another verse. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. But if we walk in the light, Jesus, he's the light, he's the son of God. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. You want to know why some of you, some of you struggle? Some of you that are watching, you know why you struggle? With genuine intimacy and this partnership in the gospel? Because when you do that, it's sort of like what happened when you got married. When you got married, guess what? It's your own junk. world, But you begin to partner with your spouse and stuff that you've told yourself is good. Now you got somebody going, that ain't good, man. That hurt my feelings. You smell, you need a shower. I mean... It's a whole litany of things that you could talk about, but you get what I'm saying? So, I am super sensitive this morning as I delve into this because I know that there's many challenges today. We have all types of situations that we're dealing with in our nation. There's so many different things taking place. But with that said, I want to proclaim that we are not made to walk life alone in Jesus Christ. We are not made to walk life alone in Jesus Christ. This idea of a person being an army of one. As a standalone Christian warrior that does not need anyone else is not the image of the New Testament. And it's not the image that God launched things with when he looked at man and said, you're not created to be alone. So guess what? Once we come to Christ, we are, not, we are not meant to walk this path alone. Study the book of Acts. Well, let me just say many of the New Testament books were written to encourage groups of Christians, the church, who were meeting together. Most of the churches that these letters are written to were meeting together in the face of overwhelming odds. Guess what? We now can see and understand certain things in the scripture through different eyes, through different lenses than what we could a year and a half ago. You tracking with me? We can relate 
to some of the New Testament epistles and letters differently now. Study the book of Acts and see the commitment of meeting together. Whether it was in a small group or a large assembly, there is a commitment and there was a unification and there was a power that we see evidenced in the early church because they were committed to meeting together, carving out special time to be the church, to pray together, to study together, to eat together, to honor communion together. How do you bear one another's burdens? The primary path is through intimacy of fellowship, investing in one another, investing in the body, investing in the local group of the church. We got a taste of that yesterday at Pamela Sealander's house. I know many of you couldn't be there. But a group of us gathered to help and bless a sister who's facing some overwhelming scheduling challenges. We were there because of the bond that we share in the gospel. Everyone worked hard. Everyone pitched in to do whatever was needed to get the job done. It was a super sweet, very encouraging, and yet it was a fun time together. And guess what? We all learn more about one another. No facts from a bio page on Facebook or Instagram or anything on social media. It was personal. It was real life learning with one another. Do not forsake the power of fellowship in the gospel. It does not typically happen accidentally. It must be intentional. You and I must fight for godly fellowship with church as the defeated one. Please hear me when I say this. The defeated one does not want the love and unity that flows out of the fellowship of faith. I don't know how to put words around it and make it very clear, but there is something spiritually supernatural with just us being present with one another. Just, just being together. And it doesn't mean that we have to be doing anything, but there is something about the fellowship of the gospel. There is something about God's presence just being present with one another. That's that intimacy, that's that connection that comes from God. Now I'm going to ask you at this point to turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to wind things down. Revelation chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 14, and Tom got us jump-started with what he read earlier, so thank you for doing that, Tom. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the, cre of the creation of God. I know your works. Now, you, you know, whether you, whether you embrace it, believe it, the reality is we're all going to stand before God one day, believers and unbelievers. And the scripture says that if you're watching this or you're listening to this and you don't believe, the scripture says, oh, yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> yes, you have my attention. That every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Because it's going to be undeniably straightforward truth that he is God. So, let me just keep reading here. Mm, this is good. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation, I know your works, that you are neither, look at this, you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, 
I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, truly rich, and white garments that you may be clothed. Look at this. So that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Please understand, I care. But we're in a society that's like, the new definition of I care is I cheerlead and I condone. That's not God's plan. That's not how God functions. It says right here, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him. I will have relationship with him. Supper, food, dining is is a is always been a step of intimacy and connection. It says I will and I will dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm rich. Please hear me, brothers and sisters. Let me, let me just read a, a new context of this. Rich in information. Rich in ability. Rich in education. Rich in technological advancements. Rich in devices. Rich in distractions. And, you know, we could just go on and on about how our society, we're rich in all these things. Notice the focus here is on things, not people. Relationships starved in the gospel because they are lukewarm. They're neither cold nor hot. Some of you have heard me say for many years, and when I first started saying it, some of you come to me after the services and you'd be like, Pastor Tim, I know you didn't really mean what you said, because I would say even early on when we were still in the Stone Chapel, I would say, I would rather you be honest and truthful. And people would look at me and say, Pastor Tim, I've never heard a pastor say that. And I'm saying, that's my heart. Because God responds to honest and truthful people. Not manipulative, lying people who fool themselves. And so I would say, and I continue to say, either be cold or hot. Be one or the other. I'm not saying I'm not going to love you. I'm not saying that we're going to withhold love. But either walk away and go be cold, or move on and burn with a passion for Christ. Don't stay in the middle. Don't stay in that lukewarm place. Sad and shocking, but many of you, the things that are being flushed out in our nation right now, and I'm regularly having this conversation too. And people are saying to me, Tim, it's super sad. But I feel like that that lukewarm group is being flushed out. So what you're hearing, and if this discourages you, don't be discouraged. Because we need to celebrate the fact that there's a level of transparency and honesty. Because the church, we must be purified to be the vessel and the agent of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit to work. But how many people have you read over the last several years that say, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe in God, and they walk away. Now, we can pray for them, but at least they're being honest. 
And then more so, I see people that are saying, you know what? It's time for me to get serious. And they're moving from this middle, and they're, they're seeking the Lord, and they're being intentional, and there's this fire that's growing inside of them, and there's great things that are going on. This today, we're scheduled to baptize seven people today. For those of you that can't go to, those of you that can't go to the river, the seven of you that are here, stand up. I want people to see you today. Go ahead, stand up. Two youth leaders and five young people. Some of you, you need to look at these teenagers that are going to walk into freezing mountain river water today. Not a temperate, heated pool in the comfort of a 74-degree room. And they're putting a stake in the ground, and they're saying, I'm going to make my commitment and my passion. Not that they're saying they're perfect or they got their stuff together, but they're saying, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I'm going to do my best to follow him the rest of my life. That's an example for us. Because there's a passion. There's something going on inside of them. And most every single one of them, we haven't looked them out. They've said, I want to be baptized. The Spirit of God is working on their heart. There's that fire. I'm going to use a common phrase right now that I've often heard, but I'm going to apply it to today. <laughs> I hear people, I hear this more down here than any place I've ever, I've ever lived, and it's usually in the context of a little bit of attitude. We need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Some of you are laughing right now because you're like, he stole my phrase. No, I heard it from you. I'm just sharing what you told me. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. And this is what I'm saying. We must stay committed to the local fellowship of believers, pursuing intimacy and partnership and fellowship because of our shared faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Some of you, I know that some of you that are listening, you have no option but Facebook Live. Praise God for all the work and praise God for Facebook Live. But I'm going to say as somebody who loves you and you need to hear this said, some of you have become lazy and you're not putting forth the effort to pursue and connect closely with other believers. You don't invest your time or your resources because you have gotten lukewarm. As Revelation states very clearly, I challenge us, I challenge you to repent Look at where you really are and not where you have convinced yourself that you are. Repent and start with the most important relationship, which is Jesus. In your repentance, start to fight to commit yourself to church as an earnest expression of your faith in Christ. Let's be the church. It's not going to happen by accident. We, not a building, not a property, 
we have to be a priority to one another. I hope you understand my heart of love. But what I just said needs to be said this morning. Because we have to remind ourselves we have to press in. We have to work. And the scripture says that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. Please hear me. You can get information. And thank God for social media. We use it. But you know how we're made to bear one another's burdens? Because there's that intimacy of fellowship and that relationship taking place. And then it's real. It's not because it was second and third hand information. Those of you that were at Pamela's house yesterday, you stood there in her face and watched a woman begin to weep because she was overwhelmed because our church family came alongside of her. And some of you that showed up, she had no idea that the group was coming. And all we were was a representation of this family because not everybody could be there. But you saw tears well up in her eyes. That's us being church. So let me encourage you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, Father, that you would continue with me. Purify Tim Duggins. God, I ask that you would help me as I yield to you that there would be a fire and a passion and a just a burning desire to learn to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. That you would help my wife and I together, Father. That you would guard and protect my family, that my entire family would seek you. And I pray that for all my brothers and sisters, God, that you would be glorified in our midst, that you would show us how to be church, that you would show us how to be a family, that you would show us, God, we need so much instruction, we, we need so much direction, we need so much care, Father. I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would help us with our self-centeredness, help us with our distractions, help us with all the things that we're battling, God, and I ask that you would create that you would help us to repent, to turn away from where we've been and turn and see you in your glory and your majesty and your, your incredible plan for us and that we would fight to walk in that together. I pray blessings over prayer meetings. I pray, pray blessings over Bible studies that are beginning this week. I pray blessings over youth group. I pray, I pray blessings in your presence over the baptism today. Father, I just ask that you would allow us to be a light that would shine in this county, in this region, that you would be glorified, that your son would be lifted up, that people would be drawn to you, God. We humble ourselves before you. We seek your face. We ask that you would forgive our sins and cleanse our land and that you would help us, God. We depend desperately on you. In Jesus' name. Let's stand up and worship the King of kings and Lord of lords together.